Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hip Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Recording is in progress, in progress, and I am with Katherine Taylor and her wrapped up wrist. <laughs> we have just been going through all of our injuries. Our, I'm still our, winning. <laughs> you are. You are. Um, I may have broken, but I don't think I did. I think I just have a bruise to the. I, I think I don't think you broke it either. Yeah. So Christy then went through to show me her pictures from Laos of her broken wrists and then her bruised legs oh it was bad it was bad it's like if you, was if, you i'll tell you what if you come to the gone graveling festival i'll show you pictures of my <laughs> come to the that is like the that's the sales pitch come to the pet festival come see the bruises just to see christy's bruises uh, you yeah. don't still to clarify you don't still have them you have i do not of, they were they were big pictures of the bruises yeah, the bruises bad. are sealed They're yeah pretty bad yeah yeah we've got lots of uh fun stuff that's going to be happening at the gone graveling if we get to if we get to have our guest today send us a little video from the making some coffee yeah, yeah. so it's funny because we interview lex albrecht today well you, yeah. that's who you're going to listen to up. So you're gonna listen to yeah we didn't interview her today. we actually ironically interviewed an emergency room doctor today full <laughs> <laughs> circle here folks that's coming up on a future episode <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she has a lot of injuries too though yeah so, yeah um but that's not today be on the lookout for that but uh, yeah we talked to lex and you were like oh your coffee setup blah 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 blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. so then i texted her and i was like do you want to send us a video of your coffee setup and she did she sent nice. me i haven't looked at them all but she sent me several so we're gonna make them into instagram reels of how she plans her coffee when she travels that's awesome she, she travels a lot and she always takes her coffee so yeah boom yeah that's pretty amazing but lex is kind of new to the gravel scene like a lot of people didn't know her um and we've loved lex i love lex yeah yeah, she was she was one of our guest ride leaders and clinic hosts at the festival, and just like so she's super genuine, easy to connect with, super and genuine, it, yeah. not intimidating at all. So 
<laughs> Actually, when we were up in, sorry, Lex, if you're listening to this, when we were up in Whitefish and like we had a bunch of people over to the house for dinner. And so I texted her, I was like, Hey, do you want to come over for dinner? We're having a bunch of people over. She goes, well, I may be going to ride the going to the sun road. And I was like, okay, that's totally fine. Cause you know, you have to ride it. Like bikes can only be on at certain times before 11 or after four at going up. And, um, and she said, but I'm going with some friends. I didn't understand all of this, but there had to, had to do with riding to the park hitchhiking to the top or riding to the top and then hitchhiking to a lake with somebody that she met so she could meet her friends who are paddle boarding and then I think they were all riding out together or maybe they were getting in a car I didn't understand it at all so Lex if you can clarify that <laughs> but it it because I'm well well in my mind I want to be so organized and planned but uh you know like I would never do, I would never be like, I'm going to hitchhike to the top of uh, yeah, this no. mountain today. Like there needs to be a plan and I need to know what time we're leaving and what we're doing. And I love that about Lexa. She's just like, I'm always up for whatever adventure comes mm-hmm. my way and I'm going to try it. <laughs> she is. So I think we'll, I think you'll really like listening to this podcast with her. Cause that's what I liked about it. She talks about how she just kind of goes with the flow. Yeah. I do yeah. not go with the flow people that much. It was really fun. <laughs> What are you talking about? You're not referring I'm, to me. I'm way more go with the flow than you are. <laughs> Whatever. I sold my house. <laughs> That's true. And you didn't really have a place to live. I didn't. I don't really have a place to go. So we're, we're figuring that out as we are in the process. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll stop talking and get onto our interview with Lex. We have to start with this because honestly, this is the best start this is to the best a podcast ever. ever. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna have our we're gonna have our podcast guest introduce herself. Yeah, because I always am like, how do you just making sure I'm saying your name correct right before we hit record? Well, <laughs> I pronounce it Albrecht, Lex Albrecht, but that's not exactly how you pronounce it. It's German, and actually, every time I go to Germany, I ask people to say my name because I think it sounds really cool pronounced correctly, but I can't pronounce it. Properly. So they say Albrecht. What something like that. Yeah, something like that. Well, it was go. just funny because the way Lex, when I said, is that how you say your last name? She goes, well, that's how I say it. <laughs> uh, Moan is German as well. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And it means poppy. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And this is like, this is like, um, people can't see this, but I got a, a coffee cup from a friend a while back and the raven is Tim's and my little spirit animal. And then they put poppies on there. And I was like, why did he put poppies on our coffee mug? And Tim's like, because our last name is Moan. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Oh, so, is that a very cool? That's special. Yeah, it's super special. But anyway, wow, I don't know how I went all the way around there. I like oh, it. Though. German last names. Yeah, German last names. There you go. Okay, you're a German origin living in Canada who's a bike racer racing mostly in the U.S. Tell us your story, Lex. <laughs> my dad, actually, my dad's from Germany and my mom's family has been in Canada for quite a while. So it was like two totally different cultures growing up in our household, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Actually. And um, I actually live in the province of Quebec and that's the French speaking province in Canada. So it's like very, it's quite European here. The culture here is quite different from the one that I grew up in as well. And this is where I really got into cycling because I mean, 
I guess cycling is a little bit Euro or the outside like type of lifestyle is a little bit more Euro than our North American culture. So I think that's something that really like caught me when I first visited the province of Quebec for the first time. And I just thought that it was like such a cool place and that people had a really cool lifestyle. And I just stayed and I started riding my bike more and more and more. So did you grow up speaking French or you learned, did you learn when you moved to Quebec? Yeah. I moved here when I was about 18 and I learned pretty much all of my French when I moved here. And that was so tough. Like I didn't know anybody. I did my undergrad in medical biology in French. Like, so I was learning two oh things. I was learning a God. and school. Like it was, it was tough. Sometimes like I asked myself, what the heck am I doing? And why do I always put myself in these really difficult situations? Because I always end up doing stuff like that. It's just, I don't know, I guess it's in me and I like it, but <sighs> hearing the challenge is tough. That's did like, just- I did, I, I studied in Costa Rica to finish up my Spanish. And while I was there, I decided to be a good idea to take Italian. So I was <gasps> trying to learn Italian in Spanish. It, I couldn't, There's my so- brain was like, what are you doing? There's only so much room in here and you're crowding us like get out. So I dropped the Italian class. And there's such similar languages too. Oh, it's, it's nuts. I'm confused. Wow. Holy smokes. Yeah. Yeah, I lived I lived in Italy in 2016. I was on an Italian team. And at first, like I found myself kind of thinking Spanish words and I would use Spanish words when I was trying to communicate with Italians, just because that's what came to mind at first, because I'd been more exposed to Spanish than Italian and they, the languages are so similar. And I can mm-hmm. just imagine how challenging that would be to learn both at once. Uh, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that brings up a good point. So you came from a true, you're a road racer on a team. How did you, uh, tell us how you got into that. And then we'll, we'll get the scoop of how you got over, how you moved over to the right side. (laughs) Well, I started road racing kind of late in life. So I, I was dabbling in local races while I was in university. Um, and actually It was mostly because I was very scared of the concept of doing a bike race and something about it intimidated me. It wasn't about crashing or anything. It was more just about, I don't know, the pressure of performance. And I was putting a lot of uh, pressure on myself in school to succeed. And I just wanted to do something that would teach me how to fail and just be okay with it. And I thought I'd really suck Mm. at bike racing. So I was like, well, I'll just do some bike races that because it totally freaks me out. And if I really do suck at it, it's not like it's going to like ruin my life or anything. And that's going to give me another skill. So that's kind of why I started dabbling in it, but I started really enjoying it. And, um, I did the Canadian national championships, um, one year and I didn't really understand the tactics of bike racing and stuff. And I had just started working with a coach for the first time in my life. And he was making me rest more than I had ever rested in my entire life before. And it was driving me bonkers because I didn't quite appreciate the value of rest just yet. So I, I, um, started off the start line at nationals and rode away from everybody. And I stayed off the front for almost the entire race, which wasn't very clever, but it did get me noticed by uh, the Canadian national team. And they brought me on for a development project in Europe that got me noticed by a smaller, um, semi-pro team that was racing like the NRC stuff, like races in the United States, um, the following year. So I got an opportunity to do like the bigger races, like Redlands and Joe Martin stage race and those kind of things. And I got some good results, like queen of the mountains and some podiums and some best young riders jerseys. And that's how I got noticed by my first pro team. 
and I got a contract offered to me. So I never tried to race pro or anything. I just rode my bike because I liked the challenge. I liked pushing my, my own personal limits, like psychological and physical. And I just like to figure out ways to ride my bike and experience it more ways. So you rode your bike, you started riding a bike so you could learn how to fail, which you were, you failed miserably at. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) You failed at failing. (laughs) And I was okay with it. (laughs) No, but there there have been a lot of failures along the way, a lot of them. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about cycling is that it teaches you how to deal with things like that and teaches you how to get back up and not worry about everybody else seeing you on the ground, both like figuratively and literally, and you just get back up and keep trying. And that's how like, that's how you you accomplish like amazing things. Cause if you just stay in your comfort zone all the time, well, you're going to miss out on a lot of like experiences in life, a lot of flavors in life's buffet, as I like to say. Well, I remember um, when we first got to talk to you, it was at SBT Gravel 2021, right? Yeah. Like, when we, yeah, we were there talking. I was like, God, why Lex looks so familiar? It was driving me nuts and I couldn't place it. And then I remembered you did. I remembered <laughs> the video I saw of you on the hotel floor pretending to ride your bike on your back. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that was that, the first episode of the Prem show. Okay. What happened with that? Um, well, the Prem show kind of got put on on hold. It was a really exciting project. I was co-hosting sure. it with uh, Phil Guyman. I was actually supposed to be on site with him in Los Angeles uh, once a week to record the weekly episode, but because of visa issues, that kind of got delayed. So for a while, we were just doing alternate weeks. I was recording remotely in Montreal, videographers, and he was in California. So I think it went on for a, a few months and it was, yeah, <laughs> Unfortunately, I had to get put on hold for now and like, hopefully it comes back, but it was, nice. the concert was pretty cool. That's what it was. I was like, oh, now I know where she's, and now I know where her face is from. It's the cream show. That's right. Yep. That's funny. Yeah. Cause you were quarantining or something. So you couldn't leave your hotel room. Exactly. Was- yeah. During the pandemic, like the stuff was pretty tight up here in Canada, yeah. like traveling overseas, you had to come home and quarantine in a hotel for three days. It was quite expensive too. Like fifteen hundred dollars. Sarah had to do that. Oh my god! At one time, she had to do that when she came to the U.S. for a conference. Oh really? Mm-hmm. And she was stuck in a hotel room for three days. And she was like, "Oh, they're serious about it." Yeah, they're definitely serious about it. Like, but at least, like, it was a nice hotel room. It had a bathrobe and everything, you know. So. <laughs> I'm stuck in a hotel room for three days, but it has a bathroom. But I, mean, I would just be walking around naked. You're stuck <laughs> in a hotel room. <laughs> I won't say if I did or not. But <laughs> well, I'm not you did not record naked. <laughs> that we know of. There could be another <laughs> channel for that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is degenerating. Yeah. I I'm like, I, I, haven't, I haven't even had any alcohol. <laughs> um this is a total side note that has nothing to do with women cycling, but did y'all see Phil Guyman at the hill climb <gasps> where he got the clothes lined by the finish yeah. tape? Like that happened at the rat. Uh, did you Poor see that? Yeah, I thought did. it was staged at first. Yeah, I think he, broke, I, he said he broke his wrist. Oh no. Wrist. That was oh. like one of the, yeah, of course that got sent to me by like, I don't even know how many people because we had the, the LDC incident at the rad. And I was like, it's not yeah. funny guys. 
not fun. I mean, you know, it, but his looked kind of slow-mo because it was at the top of that climb, which is probably well, a good thing. Because he was going slow up a 27%. That huge climb. Anyway, if you haven't Sometimes- seen it, go watch it on YouTube. Sometimes the slowest crashes are like the most brutal ones though, because you don't really have any momentum to like scrub the impact speed. Like I got like one of my worst crashes was on a bike path and I just like clipped this little edge that was hidden under a puddle as I was just kind of like deviating from my line. And that was like, that was gnarly. Ouch. Yeah. Anyways. So you started to make your way into gravel last year. You were still racing on a team last year though. Is that correct? Um, my plan was actually to start doing gravel in 2020, but then the pandemic hit. So all the plans kind of, yeah, got canceled. Evaporated. Exactly. Yeah. So I was just, I, I spent 2020 going on my own adventures. Like I took my motorcycle and my bike like way up North in Canada. And I was like riding these really cool gravel roads that are mostly for mining trucks, like way up North. So that was a lot of fun. And then when 2021 finally rolled around, uh, I started doing a bit of gravel towards the end of the season. I actually had a a really wild year. Like I did um, race across America as part of a team. That was a really neat experience. There were some really cool, phenomenal people that were part of the team, both like riders and crew. Like we had a three-time gold medal uh, Olympian on the team, Steve Lewis, like sprinter. We had a former um, NFL player. We had like an actress, lots of different people. Anyways, yeah, really cool. And then, and then I did, um, I was on a, a crit squad. So that was cool just like going around to the different crits, which is like totally the opposite spectrum from race across America. And then, uh, then I did some gravel to wrap up the season. So you were at the, where, where did you crash? This, I crashed this- at the last best ride. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I went down after the summit. Like I had to deviate from my line real quick and there was quite a bit of, there was like a mound of really soft dirt in the middle of the road. And I, I, yeah, I just kind of, hit it and slid out, I guess. So I went down, but I didn't feel like I hurt myself. It's just that afterwards it started hurt a bit. So I hope I didn't like fracture anything, but it's not like the doctors can do anything if it's, if that bone is fractured. So I'm just taking it easy and listening to my body. If it hurts, then I stop. And if it doesn't, then I keep riding. What did you think of last best ride? I love last best ride. Like mm-hmm. that was the first time in my life I'd been to Montana. I didn't know about Montana before. Like I knew it was a state, but I didn't know what it looked like. I barely even knew where it was on the map, actually. Like I was riding my <laughs> you bike. You can join Catherine in that party. <laughs> so anyway. Well, I, anyway. I was with people because I was riding my bike and I saw like the customs and border patrol office. And I was like, that's kind of excessive because I think we're pretty far away from Mexico. And then I got home and I looked at the at my map and I was like, oh shoot, like we're like one hour from Canada. This makes sense. <laughs> Finally, somebody that's worth it worse at geography than me. Oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> you couldn't have been any further from Mexico. Oh my god. I really hope Jess Sarah reads or listens to this episode. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> It's so beautiful though. Like just coming oh. down, like as we were landing on the plane, I felt like I was looking at like a kid's play mat or something. Yeah. You know? Like all the colors, like the rivers were turquoise and the lakes were light blue and the rolling green hills. And I could see like the dirt roads just like twisting through the hills too. And I thought, oh, I just want to get down there and ride so much. And then I, my Uber to the place I was staying, like crossed over these rivers where people were doing stand up paddle and stuff. It was just like, I was like, this place is a paradise. And the mm-hmm. vibe is so chill and everybody's so friendly. And it's like, it's not super remote, but it's not super 
busy and bustling either. It's just like the perfect balance. Like I honestly felt like this is a place that I want to live. <laughs> and the event, the event Do you want a roommate? <laughs> sure. <laughs> So I think like, you'd be I'm more like, prepared for winter than I would be. I yeah, I'm like I. The only way I would live on Mon- in Montana, you would I would have to live there for a winter to see if I could handle the darkness and the cold and the snow because like that's what would get me. I'm sure. But she's it. Canadian, so it's right. Even yeah, darker you'd be there. able to handle. You'd be able to handle it. The trick is having winter sports. Like I love cross country yeah. skiing. I love backcountry snowshoeing. Like if as long as you have activities to do outside in the winter, it's actually really cool. And sometimes I wonder how people like in California manage having like beautiful weather all year round. It's like having almost like one season in a lot of yeah that state, which is great. But I I love the contrast and I love like forcing myself to adapt not only the way that I like train and my lifestyle, but like the way that I dress and stuff. I I just like it. Yeah. I could see that. I think, I think for me, you know, Kansas definitely has four seasons, but to like our cold season, our cold weather season is simply just that it's just cold. Like there's no snow, there's high winds. So it's like, there's really not an activity to do in the winter and being an outdoor person. It just, it's, it's such a struggle for me during the winter. So like, that's why I go down to Arizona now, but, um, but yeah, I've, I grew up skiing, going to Colorado and going skiing. My husband doesn't like skiing. So it's one of those things, but anyway, what do you get up to in Arizona? Um, hiking a lot and riding my bike. Um, yeah, yeah there's, uh, the place we have down there is right on the AZT and I love going for big, long hikes. So oh, nice. it's just, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Don't I, ever go on a hike with Christy though. Don't it, it'll be forever and I'll get lost. I'll get lost. Those are my favorite ones. I know. I love it. But the last okay, one I was take not lots of snacks. And yeah. Water take snacks and water. Hike yeah. with Christy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's noted. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I do not, I'm not afraid of getting lost. I just, the last time we, I just wasn't prepared to get lost. <laughs> well, and also we were talking on, I was on a hike and you were on a hike and steamboat and you were like, I don't know where I am. And I was like, yeah, I totally got familiar. lost. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I don't know where, the, oh, maybe the race, I'm walking into the oh, race right I'm now. like, oh, I'm on the race course. Uh, yeah, I knew, I knew where I was and I got, but anyway, that was funny. Well, oftentimes when I do those adventure, like hikes and stuff, I just take my Wahoo computer and, and yeah. like, on, and then I'll use the breadcrumb to get back. Oh, well, that's And smart. I could have done that. Yeah, I didn't turn my breadcrumb on, so. That's but like anyway. my favorite cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. smart. I've noticed Lex when you, well, two things I've noticed about you. One is you just seem to be there for the experience always. And you Mm -hmm. seem to like love the experience. And also you're not afraid to be like, I'm lining up right here in the front of the starting line. And I'm going to lead this thing out. (laughs) Um, Spot. You get to see everything. And I just feel like, I don't know. I some, maybe it's because I'm not very tall, but I feel just kind of like hidden and like smothered or something in the back. And I just love to see everything that's going on up at the front. And I mean, I did that in school too. I always loved sitting like right at the front row and stuff and just having the best view of everything that was going on. I don't know. That's true. I usually uh, try to find myself there. And plus like it's, yeah. I, yeah. It's the view. <laughs> did you feel like you're, you had the same enjoyment of races and experiences when you were on a road team or does it feel a little different in gravel? It's very different. It's very, very, very different. And one is not better than the other, Mm -hmm. but I raced professionally on the road for eight years 
and it was time to change. And I wanted to experience cycling in a different way. Like I really love the performance aspect. I love doing every single little thing that I can to perform to my like fullest potential and to do my job like as a teammate and to execute strategy and to have to like readjust on the road and stuff and just adapt to different environments and even different like personalities and stuff on the team. Like I loved all that. Um, and now I get to use some of like what I learned, um, during road racing and apply that in gravel, but I also get to learn some new things like off-road riding is totally different than riding on the road. Like thinking about what kind of tire pressure and like what kind of tire tread I want. That's totally new. Uh, like thinking about how to fuel for like a 300 kilometer, 200 mile race, like that's brand new to me too. So I'm having like a lot of fun using the old stuff that I learned and that I felt like I, I mastered to like my fullest potential and just like learning brand new stuff and just playing with it. Like it's so much fun. That's awesome. Did you, you, um, I think too, if I remember right, you recently built a bike, didn't you? Yes, I did. It's just nuts. I (laughs) built a steel frame and the fork in, uh, in Arizona, in Tucson, there's a small school. It's called frame building school. It's a good name. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I built it. I got to design it. Uh, I made it so that it can have a front rack on it because I want to, once I get all the parts and stuff on it, I want to do like some bike packing stuff with it, like some really long adventure rides. And if you want to put weight on the front of a bike, the geometry has to be appropriate for that. Otherwise it will like drive all squirrely. So yeah, I, that was cool to design it and then actually make it and use all the tools that this guy had in the school was so neat because my grandfather was a machinist and he had this massive, massive garage with tons and tons of tools. And like, he made exceptional things with metal. And I just grew up like with, with that around me. And I remember like the sense of of the things in, in, in the garage. And like those memories got brought back as I was using some of the same types of tools and maybe the same types of techniques that he was using as I was building my own bike frame. It, it was so cool. Really cool. Have you been able to ride it yet? Or is it not all the way set up? Not yet. I have to get some, I just have to get the components for it. Then I'm going to ride it. And you also ride motorcycles. <laughs> I, I, I love bikes. I love all sorts of bikes. <laughs> Two so wheels. <laughs> On my motorcycle, I actually have a rack for my bicycle too. And when I got that, that changed my life. Cause sometimes I'd be on a bike ride and I think, oh, this road would be so cool for motorcycling and vice versa. And now I can just go to those cool roads with both bikes and have fun there. It's really cool. (laughs) I'd be like, there's a mountain that goes up. I'm going to switch to the motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good idea. Uh, Tim's trying to get me on a motorcycle. I'm like, no, I wouldn't encourage friends that aren't cyclists to ride a motorcycle just because I feel like hopefully as cyclists, we do have a little bit more um, awareness of our surroundings. Like you just kind of instinctively look up a few intersections and just know a little bit more about what's going on and like Mm -hmm. what cars might do. And that's really important on a motorcycle just as it is on a bicycle. So, I mean, you already have a few steps ahead, like somebody else who's not a cyclist. (laughs) It's, It's a lot of fun too. Like, especially when I was training like really, really hard for the road stuff, like at the end of the days, like I would have to rest and recover so that I could go back at it like the the next day, but I would still want to ride. So my motorcycle was a perfect solution. Cause like you still get the same type of like fun of scooting around on two wheels, but it's quite a bit less exhausting. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. I feel like life is an adventure for Lex. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, for sure. You only get to live once. Like I'm not scared about trying things and maybe not being good at them or not liking them. But I'm, I think one thing that helps me to enjoy the adventure is like instinctively, I usually find the bright side of pretty much any difficult situation. I don't know that sometimes I'm sure that gets annoying for people Mm. that are around me, but it's just my instinct. It's, I think you exude that. It's, I always enjoy being around you because it's just like, uh, if I'm, if Lex is standing there and I'm talking to her, I'm going to be cheered up in a heartbeat. So that's a huge, it's huge. I love that about you. I think like one, one moment that really made me realize how important that is, is um, actually when I was doing a race, I think it was back in like 2012, it was a cascade cycling classic. And um, I, that's a stage race or it was a stage race. And on one of the early stages, I was in a breakaway and I got like enough queen of the mountains points to earn the, the polka dot Jersey. And I remember calling home to my boyfriend at the time and telling him, Oh yeah, like I got the polka dot Jersey today and stuff. And like, if in case you're following, like, don't worry, cause I'm going to lose it tomorrow, but like, I'm not sad or anything. Like, like it's impossible for me to keep it, you know? And then like, anyways, the conversation continued just like a little bit more. I hung up the phone and then I got to thinking like, Oh, wait, what did I just say? And I totally regretted saying that because I was like, I don't want to like shoot myself down, like before the, the race has even started and, and tell myself that I'm, that there's no chance. Like the chance is pretty darn slim. I'm going to keep the Jersey and I'm going to be able to maintain enough points, but I mean, it's still possible. So I actually called him back and I apologized for saying that. And I was like, it, it's possible actually that I might keep it, but like, don't worry about it. Like, don't be sad if I don't. And that made me realize just how easy it is to think positively as it is to think negatively. And the next day, the proof of like the power of how we speak to ourselves really came out because not only did I get enough points to keep the Jersey and secure it, like in the, in the middle of the race, like it was impossible for anybody else to take it back but I won the stage. And that was like, I think that was my first big like victory um, in the United States. And it was all just because I had that like switch in my mind. I'm convinced of it. And I didn't spend any extra energy doing it. I didn't train any harder. That's really good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's so true, right? Your mindset can shift everything. And the way you practice what you say to yourself. um, I've always thought, training and racing is such a good analogy for life because you there's lessons you can learn so much easier when you're like in that deep, dark place on the bike or in your training that how you shift your mindset that applies so much to life that it's just harder to learn those in life sometimes. Yeah, you're totally right. There are so many parallels between like what we learn in cycling and, and things that we can use in everyday life all aspects of life. It's really cool. It's like a school that like you can't, you can't just sign up for and like sit around and like, I feel like we're really privileged to like have the the chance to be in the school of cycling. I don't know. For me, it was an accident. To live your healthiest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. It provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live a longer, healthier life. Inside Tracker can also calculate your biological age, which is the rate you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age. 
The thing we love most about Inside Tracker is that they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like food, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. And did you know that you can use your HSA, HRA, and FSA to buy any Inside Tracker plan? Which means you can purchase Inside Tracker using your tax free dollars. Oh, and it gets better. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with the science backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, visit insidetracker.com slash feisty. That's insidetracker.com slash feisty. Well, I also, one of the things I really appreciated about you, you came to our gravel festival and you came up to me at one point and you were like, this is, I won't, I won't forget this for a long time. And just like your, how much you loved giving back to women and helping to see them succeed. And, um, I don't know, it sounded, you it felt like you didn't have as many opportunities in your road career to do that. So you were really excited about that. And, and I think everybody that was there noticed like that you really cared about them. I feel like for in road cycling, that was a really selfish time in my life and not necessarily in a bad way. It just had to kind of be selfish or I, I thought that I had to be just, I mean, I had to make everything revolve around me uh, to be, to perform at the best I could. And I, I knew that that was going to be just a very like specific period in my life. And as that period ended, like I just had more and more fun figuring out ways to, to give back and be a little bit more generous, but I was actually really nervous before the gravel festival because, um, I've never actually articulated cycling skills to other riders. And I wasn't quite sure that I would be able to, because a lot of those things I've just started to take for granted over the years, just because they're things that I do every single day. And I wasn't necessarily confident that I was going to be able to explain it in a way that people would grasp and enjoy and be able to, to use. But when I saw like people's faces light up when they were able to execute the skills or when they grasp, grasp something that was brand new, it was so cool. Like it was really neat. That event was neat for so many reasons, Yeah, but that, that, I mean, that's Mm. one of the reasons I think that was, yeah, that was one of, it's on my favorite list for this year for sure. It's always one of those, like, I love doing those types of clinics because what's crazy is it's almost like your conversation with your, your boyfriend after that race, right? It's like, all you're doing is giving people just a a, a shift in their tool set just a little bit. Yep. And it opens up a whole new realm of possibility. And it's not it's just making, it's just making them aware and showing them just a little bit of a skill set or whatever. And it's just like, it changes things dramatically on how they enjoy the bike, which is, you know, what we all are here for really is to make the bike more enjoyable. It's, I thought you did a great job at the, at the festival. And I, I just, it was fun watching all those women just progress through the weekend. Yeah. 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 That what a cool opportunity too! like, thank you so much for creating that festival and the opportunity for everybody to participate. Like I'm excited for the next ones. 2023. Yeah. May 11th through 13th. Uh, (laughs) And to be clear, we threw you in the deep end. We were like, we don't know what these skills clinics are going to look like. Just figure it out. That's one of my favorite things to do. Figure it out. (laughs) We did. We figured it out. We figured it out. And now we know for next year. Yeah. Christy, you did amazing too. 
Thanks. I mean, I, I love, I love doing that. Like it's, we've done several for Unbound up here and the women's camps and stuff. And it's my favorite, it's my favorite thing to do. It lit, I mean, it just is. Cause it's just, like I said, it's just crazy to empower people just to make a little bit of a change. So it's fun. Wonderful. What, what do you have left in the season? Like you're in the Grand Prix series. So are you doing the last, both of the last two races or are you doing so is coming up? That's the mountain bike race. And I've actually been looking at logistics for that today. I, that's like one of the most challenging things about the lifetime Grand Prix is the logistics side of things. Um, it's a race I want to do, but we'll, we'll see if I can actually make it happen. And then I'll, I'll definitely be at big sugar, uh, at the end of the lifetime Grand Prix series. And in between both of those, I'm doing Pikes Peak Apex, and that's a four day mountain bike stage race in Colorado, which should be pretty cool. I'm looking forward to going back to Colorado after like having done Leadville a couple of weeks ago at super high altitude, which was a neat experience. Um, so this is like at a little bit more of a reasonable altitude. And I think that the vibe is going to be another really cool one. It's, it's like, again, it's something I've never done before. Never done a mountain bike stage race uh, in Colorado. My only one I've done actually was in the spring. I did um, a stage race in the desert of Morocco. So that was my first one. So this is going to be like totally different. That was the one you went to right after the gravel festival, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you had to leave your bike in Bentonville. Yeah. There was like an embargo for bikes that the airline had. She I know this, Christy. She got yes. to the airport. They would let her take her bike on the plane. I know. That was nuts. You had some sort of weird dirt on it. <laughs> Something. I don't know. Something. Bugs from the water crossings. Who knows? <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I, I've got my question down here because I don't want to oh. forget this because I've forgotten already, not the question, but like Lex, when she was here for Unbound, um, stayed with my folks, um, which, you know, um, they absolutely adored her. But um, you were traveling with your coffee set up. Yeah. And I need to get this coffee set up. So tell me and tell, because I forgot all about that. And I was like, oh, the coffee set up. What, what was that? I'm taking okay. this. I actually have like a whole bunch of coffee gadgets. And usually on my trips, like I'll rotate through like which one I'm bringing, just to keep things interesting. But when I was at Unbound, I had um, a hand grinder, like a Porlex hand grinder. It's pretty typical. I say it's pretty typical because I have like so many cycling friends that have the same one, Porlex Mini. And I have the AeroPress Go. So there's a traditional AeroPress and then the Go one is a, just a little bit more compact and it's made to all like fold up into this one little case. So I, I grind my beans fresh and then I, yeah, just make my coffee every morning and with the AeroPress. It's pretty fast and I actually like the routine. It's, it doesn't take too long, but it takes like just enough time for me to like enjoy the familiarity and stuff. And yeah. Were your parents That's like, what the... My parents? Uh -huh. Oh, I doubt it. My parents have. They're so cool. <laughs> My parents are pretty laid back. They're they they take in um, strays, athletes, and students, and straight. Yeah, anybody. Like it's nuts. When Lex was like, I was like, I think I probably have the perfect place where you let me check with my folks. Um, but uh, like the 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 joke in the family was my sister uh, went over to Africa um, for the Peace Corps one year. And like a letter kind of got lost in the mail between my parents sending them her letter and they're sending one back. And all of a sudden they were talking about my, my parents were talking about Shelby 
And my sister's like, she writes back in one letter that says, who the hell is Shelby? Because <laughs> they'd taken on a new student that was living with them and in high school. And my parents had introduced Shelby to my sister, Beth. But anyway, that letter never came through. And so they kept going on and on and on in this next letter, all about Shelby. And Beth gets that letter. And she's like, who the hell is Shelby? <laughs> so that's my parents in a nutshell is that they just, they, they just open their hearts and their home to people and they're fun. You know, they're pretty, they're pretty cool to stay with. I think that, did they even pick you up from the airport and stuff? I don't. They picked me up from the airport. Yeah. And <laughs> the car. they are so sweet. They're so sweet. And <laughs> yeah, you got to go to the lake for the 4th of July or something. Oh, that's or, right. Or for Memorial Day. Okay. Yeah. Not only did they pick me up to the airport, but then they brought me to the, like the family barbecue at the lake. And like, I, I didn't even get to go to that. <laughs> You were telling Rach McBride that they got the short end of the stick with housing. Yeah, Rach got the short end because Rach was staying here and Lex was there. And I was like, I'm sorry, Rach. Lex got the way better deal. <laughs> it was so odd. It was like a dream come true. Like when, when I was fishing with them, like out on the dock, I was like, what just happened here? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, you got to meet Esther and Evelyn and, and Harry. So, oh, yeah, they were right. so sweet. Nieces and nephew. Oh, yeah. They took uh, me to like the secret, like little waterfall place too. Oh and, yeah. Oh, so cool. I got to know. <laughs> Everybody's going to be like, dear Christy, <laughs> do your parents have an opening for Unbound? <laughs> I have a feeling Lex would get first dibs if she reached back out. So. <laughs> anyway, um, but that was like, I was like, oh, I came over there and saw you briefly. It's always hard that week because I'm just not available. You um, a lot going on. Yeah, there's just a lot going on, but um I was like, oh, I'll stop by and see Lex. And you had your little coffee set up. And I was like, I need, I need to get that. So thank you. There, I remember my question. <laughs> You're gonna love it if you get the coffee set up. It's great. I'm, I'm stoked. So let me get it. <laughs> you travel a lot too, so it's good to have that kind of stuff with you. Yeah, I mean, I have in the van, I have like the full thing that makes the big pot because I really like to drink coffee. But uh-huh. I also love the routine of you know, I have my pour over stand here and we have a, a different one up in, in the loft. And I like, I, I like coffee and I don't have an AeroPress. So have you tried a, a siphon brewer yet? Mm-mm. It looks like a scientific contraption. Oh yeah. I've seen them glass and stuff. And it's really cool because the coffee actually never comes into contact with the heat source. The coffee stays up in the upper chamber and the heat source, which is a flame is at the bottom. And it shoots up the water in the glass uh, bulb that moves up to where the coffee is. But that's cool because, I mean, water that is too hot is probably like the most common thing that wrecks coffee and it makes it taste like not as good. So siphon coffee is just like, it just tastes so smooth and like perfect. Plus it makes a good mm. show. So you're looking for a next gadget. <laughs> there you go. All right. If you need anything about motorcycles, coffee, or bikes, go to Bike Lex. building. That, yeah. <laughs> All the fun stuff, nothing not I love it. And then you, uh, how much time do you spend in Canada versus the U.S.? Uh, actually, I'm in Montreal right now, and that's partly because I want to make sure that I don't go over my 180 days that I'm allowed to stay in the United States for, because Americans and Canadians are allowed to stay in the opposite country for six months out of the year, but you can't go over. So I would say that it's kind of close to 50 50 or maybe it's like two thirds here and one third there. Yeah. But I travel a lot, even, even though I've stopped, uh, like professional road racing, I'm still on the road quite a bit. And sometimes I'm like, how does this even happen? 
but I stuff yeah. comes up. And I'm like, okay, I'm going. Nice. So are you going to have a full 2023 schedule then again as well? Yep. I'm pretty sure the local <laughs> pharmacy hasn't gotten their paper calendars for 2023 out yet that I get a free paper calendar from the pharmacy around the corner every year, but I fill that thing up and <laughs> I'm looking forward to starting work on 2023. Oh my God. Lex, I love you. It's amazing. <laughs> Lex cannot plan her schedule until she gets her paper. Oh, here we go. We're going to get to see it. My there paper it calendar is. right here. Like it's so much easier to keep track of things on the paper calendar. Cause like when you're swiping on the screen, are you 80? <laughs> I could be an old soul. I could be. That's amazing. That's amazing. I like, yeah. Like no. shows up in somebody's house with her coffee set up and, and her, her paper, paper calendar. calendar. Yeah. I travel with both. I'm not kidding you. The paper calendar comes with me. Oh God. Okay. That's great. Well, <laughs> this has been really fun. Um, is there anything else you want people to know before we kind of sign off Exit and tell folks how left. to find you? Uh. I don't think that there's anything in particular that I want them to know. I just want to wish everybody a great time on, on their bikes. And I hope that everybody has fun riding their bikes in their own way, because there's not one right or wrong way to ride. And there's nobody that you got to please on the bike or anything except for your very own self. So, I mean, that's what I've been doing for the last little while. And that's what I love about gravel so much. And you can kind of invent your, your own um, standards on what success means and, and what your, your priorities are or, or what aspects you love. And I think that's cool. So I hope that everybody else has, has the opportunity to do that in their own way too. Those are good closing words of wisdom from Lex. Oh, I'm thanks. i to do that last name again. Albrecht. <laughs> um, and where can people find you if they want to follow you or connect with you? So I'm on Instagram and Twitter with the same handle, Lex underscore Albrecht. And then my Facebook page is the same, but with a dot instead of underscore. And yeah, I try to, um, keep an eye on all my inboxes for the direct messages and stuff. And I love to talk to people. I love to meet new people and learn about other people. So yeah, I'd love to hear from anybody. Awesome. Or find like that big sugar. Oh yeah. And maybe, maybe Sean again. Yep. Maybe. <laughs> Thank awesome. you guys. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's been fun. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.